I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. Welcome to Bear Pile, the pile up of everything geeky and berry. As always, I'm your mama bear, the Yeti. And today I have two guests with me. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? James, you go ahead. I'm sorry, give you head, did you say? <laughs> go <laughs> ahead. Ah, yes. Hi, my name is James Bradford. I'm a, uh, I don't know, whatever, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm uh, Bob Mallet. I'm also known as Bob Smash. I am the author of uh, Candy Coated Razor Blades. So these are both uh, prominent members of our community here at Geeky Bears. (laughs) And as always, we will be pimping out the name of our Facebook group, Geeky Bears. The one, the only, the fabulous. Uh, So today on the docket, uh, we are discussing um, gay representation in media and how that affects real life gays. So uh, Wait, there are gays in real life. <gasps> I know they make them outside of the movies. Wow. Th- there's pearl clutching on this side, just so you know. I bet they're pretty. <laughs> With excellent hair. Yes. <laughs> Actually, while we're there, well, let's. Uh, so we're we're going to talk basically about uh, the first topic that we wanted to bring up, which was I think uh, the the stereotyping that we we face in the media. So, do do we feel that the stereotyping is undue? Oddly, go ahead. Go ahead, honey. We're going to be talking all over each other. <laughs> we are. Uh, oddly, I don't, um, because frankly, there are gay people that act that way. Uh, it's not always appropriate, but sometimes it really is. I, I, I it's, it's kind of give and take. Ish. I mean, we, we obviously want people to know that we're people. You know, we're, we're just as different and unique as every other person on the planet. But there are some of us that really are limp-wristed sissies, and we're okay with that. Yep. Speaking uh, speaking as one of the limp-wristed sissy, sissies. Sissies. Uh, <laughs> that's this. That's, that's my, <laughs> see, it's my lisp just tripping over itself. Um, <laughs> You know, speaking as someone who doesn't necessarily fit, I guess, like the the societal understandings of the of the, the male gender, you know, we, we need a place to stand, and it's nice to see, I guess, like successful people who don't exactly fit, you know, society's idea of norm normality. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay, first of all, I didn't realize things were going to be so serious, so let me close the binder I prepared on Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> no, you can totally go for Lindsay Lohan, but... Um, no, I mean, yeah, I agree with Bob. Uh, the, I always, when I think about representation in media, the first thing that I have to remind myself is that the media is not interested in accurately representing anybody. It's a bajillion dollar industry designed to make people feel like they're not as good as what it is that they're seeing. So every version of everybody is not particularly... You know, I'm not speaking of 
independent film production studios and shit. You know, I'm talking the mainstream big wigs. They don't give a shit. But on top of that, uh, Bob's right. I mean, to not depict limp-wristed sissies, as you put it, would be to disrespect the fact that there are a bunch of amazing flamers out in the world who I happen to love, so I don't mind seeing them. The problem is when they get trivialized and marginalized as something exclusively designed to laugh at and as an object of mockery, that's when it's an issue. But to not represent them would be kind of tiresome. And the other side of the coin is, uh, you know, this is paraphrasing the movie, Jeffrey. Hey, what's up? My name is Bob, and this is my partner, John. We're fucking construction workers, and we just have gay, but we're like everybody else. It's like, I don't really want to see that either, so. Yeah. Right. We don't necessarily need the Uber Butch. <clears throat> However, there are the Uber Butch out there. I think like the the issue with stereotyping is that it prevents us from getting any kind of exposure into any other areas we might be interested in. Like uh, I wrote a paper on this back in college where I was like, I pretty much said we will never see the gay action hero. Mm, and but even then, we kind of have with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I mean it, the the. The the roles are out there. They mm-hmm. just have to be written correctly. Uh, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was, you know, and that's uh, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. For those of you who haven't seen it, um, it's not quite action, but it's still got enough action so that oh wait, we do have a gay action hero here. Uh, it's not going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger Commando or the Terminator, but. They, at least in that one instance, the gay action hero exists. I don't think we're necessarily going to see a lot of it, but uh, unless someone gay actually legitimately writes it. But then again, I also have seen the Fast and the Furious movies, and those are pretty damn gay. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Kiss. I, I've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and it's. I think of it was more like a crime action movie, and I think Yeti's. Yeah, he's right. I mean, I, you're, I don't think anytime soon we're going to see, like you said, we're not going to see, you know, Vin Diesel in uh, Universal Pictures Presents $80 million budgeted action movie. And that's because that's not what the people that are going to the movies want to see. I mean, it's plain and simple. That's not right. what. So they're going to give the people what they want and they don't want to see what what I want to see. Right. Well, it, it's it's think... what the audience wants and what the audience is going to pay for. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, I would totally be down with Vin Diesel just making out with any dude because that would just be hot. <laughs> and I, I kind of need a towel thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, too, because they're willing to put, I don't remember, I think it was Vin Diesel. It might have been The Rock. But they're willing to put him in like a tutu and play a tooth fairy in some kids movie. And nobody's threatened by that. But if you were to, like, put a dick inside him, suddenly it's this terrifying... Well, yeah, because because one denotes slapstick comedy, and the other denotes a dangerous lifestyle. Well, they're both slapping stick, but I think that... <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, but The Rock has played gay before. Oh, he has, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was in, what, the sequel to Get Shorty? Is the one? Oh, that's right. Uh, what was it? Um... Now I'm going to forget the name of it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. But again, it's a matter of, the, it's the joke. The joke is, oh look, it's The Rock. He's a big muscle kind of guy, so the entire joke is 
he couldn't possibly be gay, so the fact that he's gay is a whoop—that's the whole joke, right? And, and and that actually does bother me to some degree, just because. I mean, societally, yeah, we've got fifty-two percent of the American public being in favor of gay marriage, but I don't think people like to actually think about it beyond that because ew, icky. Yeah. Oh my God! You put your dick in places it's not supposed to go. Oh no! But wait, straight people do that too. So what the hell are you talking about? Okay. So I wanted to get on with like a, our first uh, audience suggested topic and see what we can make of that. Um, we have an audience. That's amazing. Well, Yay. yeah, we have we have a Facebook group. Uh, so I think um, one of the first things I saw was uh, the topic of bisexual erasure. Like the band? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> first off, gay for knowing who Eraser is, because um, I thought people forgot about them. Not since, uh, <laughs> what was it, Robot Unicorn Attack? Yeah. <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't. I don't see by. I see bisexual erasure in our community as a problem. I don't see it as a problem in the movies because the movies will show a bisexual person before they'll show a straight gay or lesbian character. And, and it usually that bisexual person will be a woman well, because man. straight dudes love that. I think it's more of an issue with television. Um, prolonged exposure to a character like they'll be straight we'll use a very obvious example of, of Willow and Buffy um, you know the characters presumed to be straight for uh, a long period of time has had heterosexual relationships and then all of a sudden on a dime presumably like immediately becomes quote unquote gay and the term bisexual is never even hinted at yeah, she she went straight from fr from werewolf, which even though the character of Oz wasn't uber masculine, mm -hmm. the werewolf part of him was. Yeah, and she went straight from that to tree hugging hippie woman, and Tara is lovely, and I love her, and I'm pissed that she died, and we can talk about the whole kill your gays thing later, but. There was no in between. There really wasn't, and, no. and that that well, kind of bothers me. I mean, I think in that particular show, from what I understand, there was a shit ton of pressure on Joss Whedon to do it the way the network wanted. My understanding is that Xander was supposed to be gay. The entire intention, and if you watch earlier, it, you can kind of almost even see it coming from the way they were writing the character. And then the network was like, "Yeah, we're not going to have that be a thing because girls are." It's okay for a girl character to be gay, so it threw a. I think it threw a cog in his, a wrench in his cogs. But, but yeah, that was weird. She just, she became a witch, and then Snatch came along with it. I guess right, yeah. which I, I sort of loved that because it, it it the witchcraft thing did go into like the whole idea of feminine power. Yeah, but and I, that I, was kind of amazing. Yeah, I just like I have seen that a couple of times where like a character straight, 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 and then turns on a dime immediately and is gay and never wants anything to do with straight things ever again. 
Well, we're talking about two different things. I mean, there's there's bisexuality in media, and of course, then the topic, the question was the erasure of bisexuality in mm-hmm. general. But, and then there's the uh, televised need to uh, make a sharp change in a character's history in order to entertain. Yeah. Uh, so there's two different things. I've been watching uh, Super Fun Night, Rebel Wilson's new show. Mm-hmm. And there's a character on that show, I always want to call her Malika, but I think it's Marika. And uh, it's only in the first season, but from the very beginning, she and her two best friends since high school uh, talk about boys, and they've been uh, making little hints that she's not straight. And she's kind of got the stereotypically gay girl characteristics. Uh, and besides her two friends, who are too close to the situation to really see what's going on, all the other characters clearly see what's going on. And they just finally got her to come out to herself. But what I'm getting at is that what I like about this new show is that they didn't feel the need to go that route. Mm-hmm. They, even though she was sort of a, a TV trope and that she was the closeted gay character, we as the audience didn't somehow get smacked across the face with a big surprise. We knew from the get-go what was coming, and we got to watch a more natural evolution of someone discovering that they were gay. And that is what I think is lacking in representation in media, is a, a realistic depiction of coming to terms with your sexuality show we can look at tara from true blood because watching her gravitate from men to women was a gradual process she she totally did do the buy now gay later plan and and it felt natural and i and i appreciated that well i mean i think that that like the the buy now gay later is uh somewhat like that's that's how i ended up coming out that's a that's a more accurate representation of I think how people transition. I'm not saying bisexuality doesn't exist. I'm a firm believer that it does. Um, but I think a lot of homosexual people use it as sort of like a, 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 a way to transition from a completely heteronormative life into a, a more nebulous kind of attraction. Right. Dipping your toe in the water. It, it's completely natural. Yeah. Well, it's like it's a safe zone, and I think this is actually part of why the argument as to whether bisexuality is real even exists. I hate to put the onus on it, but it is this sort of moment of even back when this all was generally not acceptable, for somebody to proclaim that they were bisexual was just a little bit more acceptable than to say that they were all the way gay. And because that process is so common it opens up this idea that bi isn't even a thing. It's just sort of this pretend gray area that people go to before they admit their real identity. And obviously that's not true. We even have, and this is not to call you out, Yeti, but as <laughs> a good example, we say things like, I believe that bisexuality is real, and it's almost such a weird thing to hear somebody say it, because it's like, it either is or it isn't. And <laughs> it's more like, I acknowledge that it's real, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so we have uh, John here with us now. Say hi, John. Hey, John. Hi, John. So we, we woke him up from his nap so that we could talk about our next subject. you want to introduce it, John? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? <laughs> it, it was uh, the physical appearance of gay men in the media as opposed to the behavioral one. Oh, right. So sort of like sort of like the lack of uh... well, it's both. I mean, it's 
it's the fact that uh, you know that that when you see a gay guy in the media, he is you know either buff, you know, or 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 thin, or you know something like that. I think there's a lot of stereotypes out there about you know what a gay what a gay guy is. You know, look at like like. Even even portrayals are supposed to be positive, like like uh, Will and Grace. I mean, I, I didn't watch every single episode of that show, so I don't know exactly. But Will and Grace was supposed to be positive. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was supposed to be positive. I think it was supposed to be digestible to the common American public. Yeah, yeah it, it was pablum. Is what it was. Well, um, speaking, baby food for them. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Will and Grace, like there was. A particular episode that like convinced me to stop watching the show because for a very long time I did love that show, um, and it was this this it was this very strange episode where Will has to go on a blind date with I think it was Karen's cousin, mm, and yeah, like the new, the new guy, yeah. yeah, and he shows up at the restaurant and he has glasses and he's got a beard and and he's wearing a sweatshirt and mm-hmm. like rainbow uh, flag towel, yeah, <laughs> it, like, and it was just like. I'm like, it, the episode is supposed to paint him like he's a troll because he's got a beard and he likes to watch TV. And, like, the whole episode, like, him and Jack are attempting to change this guy. It and, was actually like, a multi-episode arc. I remember it very clearly. Yeah. And, like, like at the end, like, you're almost expecting him to, you know, just bite back and just be like, no, I don't need to change. You guys are ridiculous. And he says that at one point. But then, like, in the last five minutes of the final episode, like, he walks back in and is just like, well, I'd rather conform and have a boyfriend than, you know, be myself. And that's that's just sad. It's sad, but the thing about it is, is that it conformed perfectly to everything that the Will and Grace world, the Will and Grace universe had set up. So it didn't come as a surprise to me at all. It was completely what I expected to happen. There was yeah. another episode. Mm-hmm. There, there was another episode of Will and Grace where um, Sean Penn's brother, yeah, Chris Penn, uh, was yeah. yeah, Chris Penn was there, and he wanted a date with Will in order to get like Barry Manilow tickets or something. It was, yeah, and he's like, "Well, I'm a bear," and I'm like, "Great, you're not really a bear. You're just a big dude." Um, but anyway, I mean, and that's just because it doesn't conform with my image of Bear. But, you know, the fact that Will was completely disgusted by that made me not want to watch the show anymore. Well, yeah. yeah. It was, it I, got, I don't know. I don't see it that way. Maybe it's because I, I, I don't, I know that, I don't know if any of you are involved in television and film media but yes. I'm just used, I'm so used to it that it just is exactly what I expected. Will Truman was obsessed with his appearance to the point where the easiest way to needle him as a character was to call him bald or pudgy, and he was super physically fit with a full head of hair. So for him to be freaked out at the idea of being hit on by someone that wasn't beautiful to him totally went in line with what I would expect. Will and Grace is, of course, a few years old, you know, but and I think that yeah. maybe they're doing a little better with like modern family you know at least one of them doesn't look like a typical you know media portrayal of a gay guy so oh yeah i actually enjoy that show yeah but behaviorally they're still pretty stereotypical so yeah 
I think that um, there's this trap that the, the mainstream media falls into with any minority group, which is uh, you either represent them in an extreme way or you don't represent them at all. So, like, it's people feel like you can't win. Like, you either have to have, uh, you know, the thugged out guy with the gold tooth selling drugs on the corner or everybody in the show is white. They don't know how to find a non-stereotypical medium. Yeah. yeah. Basically. And, and, right. and, and going into like, you know, into, you know, other other minorities, I think that's why the Cosby show was so groundbreaking because, you know, they, they were shown as a black family who wasn't, you know, lower class. And while they were still black and, and, they, and they didn't and they didn't shy away from that, you know, it wasn't a white family couldn't have just been dropped in there interchangeably. It still showed, you know, a black family in a different light than it had ever been shown before. So, a black family where none of them were the same color. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, that does happen. That yeah. does happen. Poor Sandra. She was yeah. just down in the corner. I think that, that they were the Ryan Murphy, of all people, who should never attempt to do this, but he did, was trying to, like, sort of create the gay version of that with almost, or the new normal. Uh, but dear sweet lord did he uh, he didn't achieve it but he was trying to was he i would have never seen that because i watched every episode of that show and they were as stereotypical as they were all well be, that's because, sorry what show you guys are breaking up again uh the the new normal uh, the nini leaks show it's it's just basically that's the problem is ryan murphy is a hack and every everybody who ever touches one of his shows is a hack so well like, I, would, I don't know that i agree with that I am a fan of American Horror Story. Hush your whore mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> he cannot make convincing characters. It is the actresses who bring like anything to the table, not his writers. True. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Is that the is that is that the same guy that did Glee? Yes. See, um, I have a big problem with uh, the gay character on his Kurt. I mean, he's, you know, he he goes around and 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 acts like a bitch and then cries gay bashing when people don't like him, and it's just like. Well, the, I think the problem with that is that the show genuinely thinks that they're trying to be progressive with the with their portrayal, and, it's, and it, that's like a huge problem. Ryan Murphy does not understand that he's not being progressive; that well, he's just. Well, but Ryan Murphy understands exactly what the people who are paying him want him to make. That's. Again, I hate to keep going back to the same thing, but he's not interested. He may talk a big game to Out Magazine about what he's trying to accomplish, but at the end of the day, he's not interested in being progressive. He's interested in selling Glee concert tickets. No, that's true. Right. I mean, he's. I would agree with that because I don't think that he's particularly an artist. I think that he is a producing outlet with legs. Exactly. Exactly. He's, he's, he's yeah, a Michael granted, Bay. Granted, I am. I, I was actually very pleased with the character of Unique on Glee because I still watch Glee because I'm a big nerd. Um, Blaine is a little more on the normal side of the quote-unquote limp-wristed sissy that we mentioned earlier. Um, mm. And then there was um, the football player who I wanted to do so incredibly bad, and he knows. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, definitely. And you know, I, I can't think of, of any, you know, any show that just, you know, shows a normal like 
what I would consider like I mean I know I know there's no normal gay people but you know someone who's you know I, I've never seen I've never seen a gay portrayal on on television that I identify with ever I have I have and it lasted for exactly three shows Fox had the show normal Ohio and the oh, main character Goodman. was John Goodman playing a gay guy yeah I never saw that I saw it, and it, for me, it's, it was a cute show, but again, it comes back to the idea that a huge facet of his entire character, again, was, this fat, everyday guy is gay? How yeah. could it be? That never happens. So I, yeah. And maybe if it had been given, given more time, it would have gotten past that. You know, maybe. You never... That's true. They don't give it a chance. Yeah, most most shows most shows suck their first two episodes either. Anyway, um, I, I I watched that, I watched exactly one episode of that new show, Looking, and I just couldn't stand it because it was oh God. just. I I fast forwarded through it to look for some cock. I didn't find any. I was done. <laughs> Damn you, HBO. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just pretty boys com- complaining about their life. I don't know. Exactly it. That is exactly what people want to see. They want to see pretty people complaining about their lives. <laughs> like, seriously, that's the hot shit a plot line right now. Well, you know um, what? I, I just I expect more from... Uh, I, I want to interject because uh, I was studying a director once and he had, um, he had something that I, I truly believe is true. He said, the public does not know what it wants. It'll take whatever you give it. And I actually believe that that is 100% true. Because um, whenever you see something that is uh, genuinely good and genuine effort has been put into, sure they'll buy the shit that comes out all the time because they have no choice and they've deluded themselves into thinking that this, this is good. But as soon as something with genuine effort hits the shelves, it's gone. In an instant, people eat it up because they're so starved for actual substance which is why Queer as Folk was so popular because even though it was pretty people with problems those problems were at least realistic what show? Queer Queer as Folk oh yeah see I'm I'm of the opinion that people will buy and watch realistic depictions of relationships it's just that it's not monetarily feasible for the advertising agencies like <clears throat> it doesn't work if everybody feels good about themselves and sees realistic depictions of themselves in the media because then who are we going to sell this anti-aging aging cream to mm-hmm. right well, and, and that's why I expect more from say HBO or something where they're not beholden to advertisers you know which is where we're looking is, is so well, and, and the thing with HBO is you have the show Girls you've got actual legitimate realistic women I do in not that agree show. With that. Well, I mean, the main character is short and overweight. Oh, well, uh, realistic-looking women. Realistic-looking women. I mean, it's a comedy, so they're not going to be realistic, quote-unquote. But, you know, you at least have realistic-looking women so that you don't have this, this feminist ideal of the Barbie doll. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you still have to put them in realistic situations for everybody to identify with it. And I, and I don't know... Well. I think that we uh, realistic has been warped by what has been shown to us so so frequently that we will see something like six 
people living in million dollar apartments in New York for 10 seasons and one is a chef and one is a freaking wannabe actor and one is a massage therapist and after we watch it enough we think oh this is a perfectly legitimate scenario so therefore the lives that they have and the 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 comedic mishaps that they fall into it feels so real to us because we've accepted it but the truth of the matter is is that that like there's no way (laughs) To, to to loop it back to the initial topic which was the physical representation of gay people but i guess we're talking men really in the media i uh this is also a lovely opportunity for me to go on and on about myself uh but i did do a tv show for vh1 logo networks called can't get a date and uh it was it was called can't get a date (laughs) Uh and it was uh, all about how i was overweight and uh not good looking enough and not interesting enough and i had to get together with all of these incredibly amazing people who were better than me to fix myself so I would be good enough to have a life. And <laughs> So what was it like, Queer Eye for the Gay Guy? Uh, it was not that kind of a show. It was more documentary style. It was more documentary style. Uh, I don't know. It's on, I think it's on Netflix, so knock yourself out. But, uh, but I mean, I definitely experienced firsthand, although reality TV and scripted television are obviously dramatically different animals, I experienced firsthand what it's like to have a production team of 40 people sitting around a conference table talking about what what is wrong with you and what needs to change in order for you to be good enough and it's it's it is more intense than the layman could possibly think that it is i mean none of us are stupid to think what that must be like but believe me it's more intense than you could ever imagine down to the freckle that they don't like on the side of your nose it's that intense so you, the one thing everybody has to remember, and it's whether it's gay or straight or anything in between, is that this industry is a hundred billion dollar industry that is not self-sustaining. It's attached to the cosmetics industry and the, the, the fashion industry and, you know, the fitness industry and so on and so forth. And they all feed off of each other. And there are a hundred thousand people within this monster that are deciding what has to be done in order to get your money and if that means making sure that every gay guy on tv with few exceptions is a pretty little picture that's exactly what they're gonna do yeah i think i sorry go ahead basically i think that that's correct i think that that's pretty much the industry that we're looking at is well they, they do it with any kind of minority like we you we usually leave like the heterosexual guys alone um, th- well, there's a space for every heterosexual man, be they the ugly, sloppy chump to the perfectly sculpted masculine Adonis. But when it comes to, say, like a, a heterosexual woman, there is one space for overweight uh, hetero- heterosexual women, and that is comedy. You can be funny, but you can't be pretty. Uh, and I think that that translates into all kinds of minorities. Like, if you're um, if you're someone who doesn't look particularly white, uh, then they will white up your features. Like, that's something I learned in advertising, was that they will make you look more white so that you don't have any of that pesky ethnicity threatening the white folk. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing that kills me about that whole thing, James, particularly in, in, in light of your experience, is that eating disorders among gay people now are skyrocketing 
because everyone thinks they need to be toned, tanned, and have no body fat. I'm sorry, that's not the way the world works. It just pisses me off. It's one of the reasons that I'm sort of like, I always wanted more visibility for the gay bear. Was just like, uh, feasibly, I mean, we complain about um, the gay subculturing because I think some people don't feel like they belong to any culture. And they they don't, but like something I've always felt about the gay bear uh, subculture is that there's a subculture within this subculture for everyone. Like you can be you can be a big old bear, you can be an otter, a chaser, a chub, a wolf. Uh, you know, there's so many subcultures that just fall under this subculture that you know just come here and be yourself is sort of like the staple of the bear community. Oh, honey, you're opening up a real wide door for me right now. <laughs> so, Bob, you, you suggested the next topic. Why don't you introduce it? Okay, um, one of my, one of the largest issues that I have with films, particularly since I'm a horror nerd, uh, and that's what my blog is about, is that horror film, is the fact that gay representation in horror films is... Normally, the depraved homosexual who ends up dead because that's how gays are supposed to end up in horror films, apparently, and it really pisses me off. Uh, when, if we're going to go back to kind of the beginnings of film, there's a German silent film named Michael. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, where the character Claude is in love with this person, Michael, um, uh, who is a, a thief and kind of is playing him, but he's still so in love with this person. Um, he does manage to get a pleasant death, but he still ends up dead. And, and then we go into films like um, Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca, where Mrs. Danvers, uh, this Rebecca is based on Daphne du Maurier's novel, Rebecca. Um, and M Mrs. Danver is the maid, basically, and she is obsessed with Rebecca, and she's psycho nutty about anyone replacing her and at the end because she's the villain she dies in flaming records wreckage when she burns down the mansion because she can't deal with the loss of rebecca who also died rebecca is not implicitly gay rebecca i believe from what i remember of the movie is married but mrs danvers Just, dies wearing rebecca's nightgown so <clears throat> This is a much older film where I think that the whole portrayal of the lesbian lust was it was very Hitchcockian. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of a, of, a, of a horror movie in sort of like my era because um, I specialize in myself as a horror nerd from about the 70s onward. And uh, the only horror movie I'm thinking of where being gay was e even like a subtext uh, was Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And and I have met that, uh, the, the man who played the, the main character, and he's an absolute doll, by the way. Um, but yeah, that was... The, he said in an interview ages ago that the movie was not meant to be as gay as it was. Oops. But you had dicks coming out of your mouth. <laughs> that was extra, extra gay. And But we also have movies like 2001 Maniacs, where the gay guy 
basically gets skewered from behind in preparation for the barbecue. Uh, We have Dumbledore, who is not specifically horror, but Dumbledore the character, even though it was word of gay afterwards by um, the author, J.K. Rowling, you know, he was gay and still ended up dead. Um, And then we've got things like the picture of Dorian Gray. We've Mm. got... um, yeah, all throughout any kind of media, a, a homosexual character is likely going to end up dead if people are dying in the story. I mean, but and even then, we've got movies in the '80s like Longtime Companion and and things like that, where oh no, gay equals AIDS, and everybody dies because it's so tragic because they're gay right. and they have AIDS, and and I'm like, I stopped watching all those movies well, because like, they got so depressing. <laughs> there's like two distinct topics there. The, there's the there's the depiction of the gay man as uh, uh, you know ill-fated because of his lifestyle and, or AIDS and what have you. And then there's the horror thing. And just to focus on the horror thing, I'm not a horror buff. I actually, I like scary movies but gore makes me vomit all over everyone in the room. But that being said, <laughs> I, uh, I do have a familiarity with the horror genre. And my my feeling goes back to something we talked about before with the whole idea of will there ever be a gay, a real gay mainstream action star and the problem, I think the primary problem is the audience that horror movies are targeted towards don't necessarily identify with or want to see a gay character and therefore the gay character which is almost always a guy is portrayed as comic relief or the idea that he's gonna die is almost like a joke uh, and that's kind of the sad part of you know Hollywood being the business that it is you know we we have to as gay horror fans you know speaking for myself you know there's not much material that speaks to us I mean even the one big name well sort of sort of big name horror film Hellbent that was specifically made by for and about gay people was so it, it just had no point i mean it just was awful you know you've got the the drag queen who gets stabbed in the face you've got the one guy who's just trying to get a date who gets beheaded in the bathroom you, oh yeah it's, it's, i remember it, that movie it's awful it's it really is and then you've got the gay bed and breakfast of terror which i know it's a comedy <laughs> but still well, that's a software porno <laughs> pretty much it well really i is. mean it all goes back to something like like rocky horror picture show we're just like horror movie was the horror movie was predicated on the idea sort of like that the um, the 50s idea of any sort of sexuality will immediately lead you to death and right. having a deviant sexuality immediately leads you to death do not pass go do not collect $200 right the, the cool thing about Rocky Horror though was that not everybody ended up dead. They all exhibited, oh yeah, you know, definite perversion, if we're going to use that word. But you know, because you know, Brad was sleeping with with Frank. Janet was sleeping with Frank. Everybody was sleeping with Rocky. <laughs> you know, you you've got this whole pansexual idea plus the dude in a whole lot of lipstick. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, but he's the only one that dies because he's the one that was the catalyst for the whole picture. Well, I think like the Rocky Horror is, is a different animal than the because it was it took yeah. the 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 reasons 
from the 50s horror movies and it lampshaded them all together sort of like uh, an almost musical satire of the woefully ignorant worldview that those movies had right which is why the movie starts with that particular song i mean all right and for our last topic today we are going to talk about i wrote a paper about this in college which i thought was fun to do uh something called the gay accessory um and that was sort of like where we see a trend in in sort of uh, female-centered media where gay men have become an accessory to rich white women fuck Mm. you sex in the city yeah seriously that was one of the worst perpetrators of uh of this that i'm talking about like i think at one point carrie turns to her her quote-unquote gay best friend which i absolutely despise that term um and she's just she demands that he breaks up with his boyfriend and he totally does because he's so whipped by her for some reason yeah so it was, it was a trend i sort of saw like especially around the style channel where uh, inevitably like all these like pseudo documentaries about rich white women they would have like uh, a gay person that they would keep in their pocket and would demand like they would never be like treated like people people they would always just sort of be like overprimed poodles that would follow them around and give them hair advice yeah yeah usually they were like a, they would be like a stylist or or something like that mm-hmm. and there was it always like, like my dream life uh, yeah unfortunately like, yeah. there was like such a huge 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 deal about the fact that they had like a gay person in tow and you always heard something like oh you need to get yourself a gay man because hair and shoes and right well okay so we're talking about reality tv uh so you have to remember reality tv is 100 percent tropes mm-hmm. so if there's been one or two shows where there's a gay best friend and the viewers responded to it every show is gonna have a gay best friend yeah it's, yeah it's, <clears throat> like, watch I, anything on bravo oh my god yeah pretty much that's pretty much what i'm talking about anything on bravo or the style channel like it's it's an epidemic that I just really really dislike um, I hate using the term gay best friend because I think that that term is too human for the way that these people are are de- uh, depicted on these shows like I like using the term the gay accessory because I think that that's more realistic way of looking at the way that they're portrayed but don't these real housewifey bitches treat everybody in their lives like trash? Isn't that like kind of what they do? Because they have the money to do that, yeah. Right. The the problem is like it's it's an attitude that spread outward and suddenly like every 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 bitch who like has ever seen a gay person in the entire world wants someone to go shopping with all of a sudden. Uh, see that's not new to me. That's been I mean, since I was a teenager it was cool for a girl to have a gay best friend. I'm not saying that I feel strongly one way or another about it. I just read an article, I don't remember, on some feminist blog about the uh, inverse of this, which is the stereotype or the trope of the fag hag and how demeaning that is to women to just be the little female accessory who doesn't have any boyfriends, who uh, fawns and obsesses over her gay male friend and goes everywhere with him but gets treated like an accessory, basically. So it's mm-hmm. interesting. I, never, I didn't really think about it from the other side, only because I maybe been programmed to accept it yeah honestly i mean and, and again that that's not something that's ever spoken to my experience because 
almost all my friends historically have been straight guys. You know, usually most most straight guys who are under a certain age, as long as as long as you don't hit on them, they're pretty okay with you. So, at least in my experience. So. Uh, see, I've had a lot of female friends, and uh, one of the things that really, really was detrimental to you know sort of like a mental process when you were a kid was that there were just girls out there who were looking to collect gay best friends like it was a game of pokemon and gotta catch them all yeah that was sort of like it gotta catch There's a them all. shot for that yeah gotta catch them all gotta hook them all up you've got to be sort of like the gangel for some reason um right and you never sort of felt like there were a bunch of different girls like this and as a kid you're like oh yeah they're really okay with me being gay and you, uh, you until they expect it. you to do their hair for prom yeah that's that's the thing is just like you have to sort of become this accessory that they want in order to keep receiving their acceptance well I think mm-hmm. that those are just terrible people <laughs> There is that. Uh, I don't know. I I have a different experience. I have a dramatically different experience. I'm not invalidating yours. It sounds very real. Yours sounds to be like something I have heard about a lot and definitely seen depicted in the media. There's actually a movie out now, it came out last year, that's called GBF, which stands for Gay Best Friend. So it's definitely a a, a media trope. I just... uh, To me... um, uh, my, uh, I don't know. There's something about, and again, I know you're not like 14 yet, but the, with the <laughs> 10 years between us, there's still definitely a, a gap. And for me, growing up, and Margaret Cho touches on this a lot, it the relationship between the gay guy and his female best friend, whatever you wanted to label it, a lot of times it was a mutual life preserver. She felt ostracized, didn't feel that men treated her the way she wanted to be treated. He felt ostracized in general. They found acceptance in each other. Oftentimes, the relationship became unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. But by and large, it was a, it was a celebratory thing, and the idea that it's warping into this thing where girls are like, um, Jenny, I don't want to freak you out, but I met Bryce, and he is the best, and we're going to Prada tomorrow. Like that frightens me. Yeah, but it's just but- just like it's um where we used to see sort of like the gay best friend thing as mutual lifesaver it's turned into sort of like you're this monkey on their shoulder that has to constantly assure a girl with I guess like you know money and status with you know popularity on their side but again because of all that they have the the self esteem of a saltine cracker right you have to be their monkey that just constantly assures them that they are doing right. Exactly. And I, I don't necessarily care for the whole, oh my god, gay as personal shopper. Yeah. Stop. Just, I, I'm not here to dress you. I can give you advice. I can say, oh my god, that shirt doesn't go with those pants. But beyond Ain't nobody that... nobody wants style advice from me. <laughs> and I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy now, so whatever. But but the, then again, we also have the flip side of the gay best friend, which is the genemy. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Leslie Jordan, who is perfect at playing this part. Because, <laughs> you, you yeah. know, when you, when going back to Will and Grace, you've got, you know, 
Karen and Leslie Jordan's character, I can't remember his name, but Beverly they Head. hated each other, but couldn't live without each other. Yeah. They, were, they were their source of, of mutual I need this vitriol. In, mutual vitriol. They, they had that outlet to each other. All right, guys, as always, I am your Mama Bear the Yeti, and this has been Bear Pile. Uh, we have had the lovely James on our show. James, how you doing? Hey, I'm freaking fantastic. How are you? Good. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, yeah, hey. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. I'm James Bradford. My website is jamesbradford.net. And, uh, you know, I'm traveling and performing all over the place. A big thing I'm doing in April in California is the Reality Rally, where reality TV stars have a weekend of amazing race-like challenges to raise money for a really cool cancer charity. So check out Reality Rally realityrally.com and uh, thanks for listening to me talk and Bob <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening guys I'm, I, I'm Bob also called Bob Smash because I'm a nerd and I like the Hulk um, you can find my blog at candycoatedrazor.com I'm also on Twitter at candyrazorbob excellent excellent and uh, last but not least we have the lovely Jonathan Hi, I'm Jonathan. I don't have a blog. <laughs> <laughs> he he will be holding my hand through this the wild wild thorny thicket that is is uh, podcasts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, I hope everyone enjoyed. And I'm sure we have all kinds of awesome other things in store. So yep. So join us next time. And we will have something equally berry and nerdy and geeky for you to enjoy. So, for the meantime, bye-bye, bears. Bye-bye, bears. Yo, peace.